0: O Lord God, though Satan should buffet, though trial should come, let this blessed assurance control that Christ hath regarded my helpless estate and hath shed his own blood for my soul. It is well with my soul. It is well, it is well with my soul. Amen. Good morning. What do our prayers say about God, about who He is, about His interest in our lives and in the world where we live? Welcome to the next installment of Zion's summer series, The Little Guys with a Big Message. This is a series, as you know if you've been participating that describes what God is saying to us through the minor prophets. Now, they're called minor prophets not because they have a minor message, but simply because they're shorter in the Bible as compared to the major prophets like Isaiah and Jeremiah. Whether major or minor, each of the prophets contributes to our understanding of the God who created all that is good. But then, watched as humanity fell into rebellion against his rule in their lives. He went to work to redeem and rescue humanity and will someday restore all creation to better than new condition. So this morning, Pastor Ryan gave me the assignment to share with you the message of Habakkuk. Now Habakkuk, using the timeline that Pastor Ryan has been using, worked around the year 605 B.C. That is over 600 years before Christ was born in Bethlehem. And when we read the prophecy of Habakkuk, what we find is a revealing conversation between a person stuck in the valley of the shadow of death And God, we find that God complains. No, I mean, it's Habakkuk who complains. God is confronting his complaint. And then, as God does so, he answers Habakkuk in a way that he never expected. But while still facing a distressing journey through the dark valley, Habakkuk realizes with joy, God knows what he is doing. Even if I don't. Well, beginning at verse 1, we read the prophecy that Habakkuk the prophet received. Rather than what we might expect to hear from a prophet, as I said, Habakkuk complains. And he says, how long, Lord, must I call for help? He complains in a way that people do still today and have for centuries. Lord, you do not listen. And so it is that in Habakkuk's case, he's looking at the world in which he lives and he finds that his homeland of Judah and the city where he lived, Jerusalem, was falling apart. It was falling into destruction, violence, strife and conflict Law and order was just falling to pieces and justice was a joke. And Habakkuk wonders out loud to God, why do you tolerate this wrongdoing? Well, Habakkuk thinks he knows the answer. You see, more than 300 years before, after Solomon failed as king of Israel, there was a civil war that split the nation in two north and south. But rather than grow closer to God, the north went farther away, moved so far that God allowed the Assyrians to come and destroy that northern kingdom more than a century before Habakkuk's day. Well, Habakkuk's neighbors in the south, they didn't seem to learn anything from that tragedy. And so the Lord now is saying to Habakkuk, look at the nations and watch and be utterly amazed. Since they are repeating the same mistakes, Habakkuk wonders, will it be Assyria coming for Jerusalem next, the southern kingdom? Will the Assyrians bring judgment to me and my neighbors? Well, no, God has this shocking answer. He is not going to let The Assyrians destroy Jerusalem. In fact, he's going to send the Babylonians to destroy the Assyrians. And then he's going to send the Babylonians to destroy Jerusalem. He will let the Babylonians discipline the unfaithful of Jerusalem. Now this answer devastates Habakkuk. He cries out, Your eyes are too pure to look on evil. You cannot tolerate wrongdoing. Why then do you tolerate the treacherous? Why are you silent while the wicked swallow up those more righteous than themselves? Habakkuk knew that God had counted him and his believing neighbors as righteous in his sight, just like Abraham before them. For they had put their faith in God's faithfulness to his promises to them. Now, Habakkuk knew that neither the Assyrians nor the Babylonians put their faith in the living God, and so Habakkuk complained. How could God use these evil nations to do his good work of justice? Habakkuk chapter 2. He decides, under the guidance of the Holy Spirit, that he best just shut up. He best stop questioning God. And start listening. And so he says, I will stand at my watch and station myself on the ramparts. Like a watchman on the wall of the city. And I will look to see what he, God, will say to me. And what I am to answer when I am corrected. And the Lord has an answer. He says, write down the revelation. And make it plain on tablets. So that a herald, a messenger. May run with it. Now Habakkuk has come to a place where he understands he can no longer tell God what to do. He cannot be God's advisor. He cannot tell God what he should or should not do. Instead, God is telling him, and God tells Habakkuk to record and and write this revelation down that he's giving him, this report of the promises that he will soon fulfill. Now, yes, God does agree with Habakkuk. See, the Babylonians, the enemy, is puffed up. His desires are not upright. The Babylonians are bad people. But once God has done using the Babylonians to discipline Judah and Jerusalem, the pride that puffs up the Babylonians will lead to their own downfall. But, God says, the righteous person, the person who is in right relationship through faith in me, God says, that person will live by his faithfulness, that is, God's faithfulness, to everything that he promised to Adam and Eve, to Habakkuk and his neighbors, and to us who would believe in him today. Now, as God is revealing all of this to Habakkuk, The weight of what he reveals just takes Habakkuk's breath away. And all he can say is, the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth be silent before him. Now notice, nothing has changed. Habakkuk sees clearly that the world in which he lives is going from bad to worse. There's nothing he or anyone else can do to stop the things that are going to happen. But something in Habakkuk changes. Rather than give up on God, rather than get angry with God, or turn his back on God, Habakkuk once again prays. He prays, and he says this, I heard, and my heart pounded. My lips quivered at the sound, decay crept into my bones, and my legs trembled. His worry about the attacking Assyrians has become worry about the blitz the Babylonians will launch against Jerusalem. And as he considers this, as he watches from the wall for this to happen, he feels like he's going to collapse. Now, Habakkuk himself probably witnessed the destruction of Jerusalem by the Babylonians this painter tried to portray. So similar to video images of our own day where peoples are fleeing their cities in the face of war. Yet, yet, he says, I will wait patiently for the day of calamity to come on the Babylonians on the nation invading us. That calamity would not come for decades. But it finally did when God raised up the Persians To conquer in turn the proud Babylonians. As Habakkuk prayed, the Holy Spirit enabled him to live by faith and not by sight. To live by what God promised, not by what Habakkuk could see and understand. That's what we hear in these passionate words of Habakkuk. Though the fig tree does not bud and though There are no grapes on the vines. Though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. Yes, though the Babylonians destroy our economy, Habakkuk prays, though we suffer in ways we never have before. yet. I will find joy, not in our circumstances, but in his promises to save us for the only life worth living. How can Habakkuk pray this way? Well, here he says, The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to tread on the heights. Habakkuk says, God will give him and his believing neighbors what they need to get through the deep valley and over the high mountains ahead. Habakkuk, notice please, Habakkuk is not reaching down deep into himself to find this strength. He is not living by the idea that when the tough, when, when the going gets tough, the, the tough get going. You've heard of that, right? No. That's all nonsense in his mind. Habakkuk instead clings to the one who Habakkuk has found is his security, the only one who is the rock of his salvation, the one who gives Habakkuk the feet to keep going and when he can go no longer, carries him. How about us here this morning? What do my prayers and yours in times of numbing distress, say about God? Are we here like Habakkuk, worrying about world affairs and their impact on our country? Are we worried about China, about Russia, about North Korea, about Iran, about politics in our own nation? Do we pray about these worries? wondering whether God cares, or do we not pray at all because we're not even sure that God can do anything about these things. Is someone here suffering after a job loss, after a cancer diagnosis given to us or to a loved one? Are we suffering brokenness in our homes, broken hearts and minds, Are we suffering loneliness? Are we suffering because the future looks bleak, like the valley of the shadow of death? How could Habakkuk pray so confidently and joyfully when faced with this terrifying circumstance just ahead? Well, I think we might find the key when we take apart this verse in chapter 3 of Habakkuk. It reads, you came out to deliver your people, to save your anointed one. We have to jump ahead, perhaps, to a more familiar verse in the New Testament to better understand this one in the Old. Remember what the angel of the Lord said to Joseph when Joseph found out that Mary was pregnant? Remember the message? The angel said... She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, Yeshua, because he will save Yeshua, his people, from their sins. The name Jesus, or Yeshua, comes from the Hebrew word Yeshua, meaning to save. The angel told Joseph to give the son Mary would bear a name that would describe just what this son would grow up to do just as god had come in the past to save his people from slavery in egypt and from many other enemies down through the years so god would come again this time in person to save them from their own sins and god's eternal judgment against them and he would do this through his anointed one his messiah whom we know as jesus the christ now the wickedness strife and oppression rampant among Habakkuk's neighbors in Judah perplexed him, especially when it appeared as though God was not doing anything about it. But the Holy Spirit empowered Habakkuk to pray. To pray, increasing his understanding of the person, power, and plan of God. Habakkuk prayed so that you and I now can turn in our distress, whatever that might be, turn To him who is faithful to us in Christ Jesus and praise him with joy. What do your prayers, what do mine say about God? Do we pray as though God can work all things, even the bad, together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose? Do we pray as though God will never let anything separate us from his love for us in Christ Jesus? Do we pray as though God gives us reason to rejoice always as he did the Apostle Paul when Paul was imprisoned awaiting execution? Do we pray that God give us his best when he has already? Sacrificing his own son to suffer for our sin? Do we pray like Jesus prayed to God the Father, his own son, when facing our own crosses? Not my will, but yours be done, O Lord. Remember, Jesus died. Died for us to defeat the devil, and then he arose again on Easter morning, reclaiming life. Why? So that he could give us the strength we need to face whatever we must. My brothers and sisters, God is God. We are not, nor is anyone else in the world. God is God. He is in control of all things, of every individual's life, as well as world affairs and everything else that happens in this universe. God knows what he is doing even if we don't. 150 years later or so, there was a man named Nehemiah who lived to see some of what God had promised Habakkuk. And echoing Habakkuk's prayer, Nehemiah reminded God's people in his day when they faced what looked like impossible circumstances. Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Oh Father, we thank you and praise you that you give us this strength. In your joy, you take joy in saving us through your son Jesus. You give us strength now to face life's worst and to look forward to your best. Thanks and praise to you, O oh God. Amen.